Now, as it pertains to this morning and where we have been for the last 10 months. 10 months, we have been going through the book of Genesis. Uh, For us, when we open our Bibles, uh, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, if you will. But really, Genesis is uh, is the prologue. Because for the Jewish world, certainly, but for many, Exodus is kind of what kickstarts the story. Exodus is what gets the Bible going, as in there are a people who are oppressed and God hears their cry and he does something about it. And then you essentially go, they were oppressed, they were in slavery. The question then is, how did these people get to this place where they were enslaved in Egypt? Oh, well then you back up and you go to Genesis. Let's look at how that came to be. But really, Exodus is kind of the meat, if you will. So we have been going through this, and what happens is we've been in this book of the Bible, but it's, 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 it's just getting started, and there's way more. And so uh, it's telling a story. But we often will read a couple verses, a chapter. We might read a book, and then we stop. But the thing is, there's a movement, there is a flow, there is something way more going on. And we often are not taught that in our context or our culture to see the larger narrative. So anyways, uh, with that, a few, several weeks ago, I had a spark. When I was thinking, reflecting on, we're wrapping up Genesis shortly, and we're going to kind of think about what's the rest of the story. And so I had a spark of an idea like, well, we're not just going to do a sermon, Hopefully, that's, hopefully I never just do a sermon anyways. Uh, it's not very interesting to me. But uh, I thought, no, I can't do that. So I started writing some stuff, reflecting on where we've been, what we've been into, and I just started writing, and there was a spark there, but something was missing. I'm like, this is something different. We need to kind of be in this thing, in this narrative in a different way. But within that spark, something was missing. It was a spark. It was a spark. And then I thought, uh, then a couple weeks ago, uh, Sarah and I, my my wife and I, we went to some TED Talks in Holland. And we listened to some of these TED Talks, which wasn't so much always listening to, but it was experiencing them. And something happened within one of the talks where that spark became a flame for me, where I'm like, oh, that's that's it. We need for this to happen a bit differently, for something to kind of really give birth here. What, what needs to happen is I need uh, my friend, Sarah, this Sarah. I'm like, ah, oh, I have to pitch to her because we need some music. So uh, I called Sarah and I said, I have an idea. And through the phone, I could see this anyways. What's so fantastic and why part of why Sarah and I, oh, it's such a joy to work with here, work with her. When I say I have a question, her response is a smile. That's pretty fantastic. Because if I say, oh, I've got a question for you, it could be very, oh boy, that feeling. But Sarah usually, she's like, adventure, great, bring it on. That sounds fun. You probably talk to Sean where it's like, okay, what are we going to do next? Uh-huh, build that, make that, go where? Oh, you want to quit, go to some other country? It sounds good, let's do that. So when I say I have a question, she was like, let's go. So I had invited her to help uh, bring this along 
uh, and do something a little bit different. So I want to reflect on Genesis, but I want to think about the rest of the story. So we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to read in many ways to us, and I want us to get lost in this a little bit, but I want to prep you because it's not going to be very long. Uh, and I mean that. Because you're like, oh, there's the joke. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So, we're going to sink in. Uh, we're going to have a score placed to it at some point, but I want to invite you in and prepare you uh, for something a little bit different. Um, but I hope and pray and believe something beautiful and needed, and I hope it opens us all up as it has for me. Let us pray. Gracious God, I bless you for the gift of gathering in community, the fact that we have this opportunity to be together, to listen for you, to look for you in the midst of our lives, how you are always active and moving and nudging us and winking at us and inviting us to follow you in fresh new ways. So God, may the posture of my heart, the words of my mouth, bring honor and glory to you and you alone. And may we, God, have open hearts and open minds to what you have for us here and now in this. We pray. Amen. If we have been taught, encouraged, or persuaded to read the Bible, it's probable we were presented the Bible as an answer book, a book of rules, doctrines, and dogma, or an operation manual for the elevator that goes to heaven. On top of all that, many of us were told we need to prove and defend that the Bible is true with true meaning that every word is literally and historically factual. With all of that being pressed onto us, it's understandable that it would shape how we read the Bible. This can turn the Bible into another subject in school something to master with the mind, because we have been firmly told the heart simply cannot be trusted. With little explanation or context, we may have been told that the Bible is defined as God's word, which was unfortunately confused to mean it's hidden in the ink, trapped on the printed page. So if we are not shaken, awakened, or transformed in the midst of reading, then something must be wrong with us. But what if the library of books, letters, poems, and songs was so much more? What if truth is not tied to the pages? What if the writers were not trying to convince us that the stories happened, but were inviting us to see that they happened? What if the most spiritual aspect of the stories was how human they are? What if the power is not held in a moment that is time-bound, but in a movement that is spirit-led? I'd like to invite us to get lost in listening, to dance with the narrative and walk with a people who were growing in God. With that... Let's begin. 
In the beginning, God created. This is the beginning of beginnings, a genesis. We all have a genesis, an origin from which we came. The book of Genesis is simply about beginnings, the origins of a family, our family, the origins of a community, our community. Genesis is less about how creation historically and scientifically happened and far more about how it all continues to happen. This is the beginning of the great becoming. Tov Bereshit, good beginnings of family, of community. Then we discover how these families and communities became fractured and broken due to pride and selfishness, leading to the inability to see others as bearing the image of the divine, which is also true of you and me and our families. It's common for us to tell our origin stories to that special someone. This peels open the relationship as we become intimately entangled because we have walked the path of vulnerability, sharing our beginnings and how we are becoming. And then the story continues. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses to stockpile wealth for Pharaoh. Exodus. Where we awaken to what it means to be enslaved in Egypt. Again, it's less about the literal and more about the experiential. Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which also means narrow places. There comes a time, a moment, an experience when you awaken to the realization that you have lived trapped in a narrow place. Maybe you're enslaved to addiction. Maybe it's an abusive or destructive relationship. Or maybe you are enslaved to carefully curating an unrealistic image of who you are. Maybe it feels as if you are trapped in a generational narrative stuck on repeat. You stay in the town that has known you from diapers to college degrees. You take the job that pays enough. 
And then you begin to wonder whether you are just going through the motions. That maybe you are just a thread on a conveyor belt that doesn't stop moving, yet doesn't go anywhere. You have this life, but avoid unpacking the box of what it means to be alive, to be fully human. You feel stuck because you never unpack faith, that which is deepest within. You wake up and realize you are living in the Truman Show, except it's not a movie. And the people are not actors, yet this life feels plastic and static. You are not alone. There are hundreds, thousands, millions of people living stuck. So we live trapped and only ever trying to find out who we are and wondering if we'll ever break out of the narrow place, that which enslaves us. This exhausting ache begins to cry out, desperate for rescue, for an exodus out of Egypt, from the narrow places in our lives. These beginnings find their exodus in the divine. We find freedom from that which enslaves in the ineffable, yet undeniable. This newfound freedom from narrow places walks us into the book of Leviticus. Our infancy and freedom demands clear, excruciatingly detailed instructions for the next right step. So we tend to cling to the laws and rules we grew up with because we think they'll give us a sense of simplicity in order to avoid complexity. As we white-knuckle the handlebars of simplicity, we come face-to-face -face with the book of Numbers. Here we encounter the death of those around us, or some form of devastating heartbreak. When we begin to count the number of people we have lost, the ache pleads with us to, to discover a holiness in the realization of how finite and temporary we are, which takes us to Deuteronomy. In doing the work to break through the surface, we excavate the timeless. We tell our stories to our children the way Moses tells stories to the Hebrew children. Only five books into the library we call the Bible, and we notice there is something much bigger wider and deeper taking place in the brilliant retelling of the story. There is a move from the personal to the universal and the universal to the personal. We are beginning to catch the subtle and not so subtle dance between the personal in that place and time and the eternal that transcends all space and time. For example, in Exodus, the bridge command holding together what we know as the Ten Commandments reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The Hebrew people are called to remember that their rescue was deeply personal because the God of rescue is deeply personal. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We rest in the God who is universal. This is the God who liberated the cosmos. But as we step into the great retelling in Deuteronomy, we notice a movement from the universal to the personal. Deuteronomy 5, 12, 13 to 15, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In Exodus, the command to rest is tied to the God who liberated the cosmos. In Deuteronomy, the command to rest is tied to the God who liberated the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt. It's a dance between the transcendent and the intimate. You find rest in the God that has set you free. And as you live into this newfound freedom, you contemplate the God who is the liberator of all things and all people. Sabbath is not just for resting our bodies. Sabbath is also for expanding our hearts. Why did we spend 10 months studying Genesis? How would this help us better understand our lives and our stories? My hope is that we have begun to learn that these beginnings are deeply personal and mystically universal. Adam and Eve walked with the divine and away from the divine in a way that is both personal and universal. Jacob's wrestling with the divine is deeply personal while also being mysteriously universal. These ancient stories about ancient people also transcend time and culture to find new life in new people. Of course, because these stories are our stories. As these old stories move into the life of Jesus, we find that Jesus does not start a whole new story. He simply enters into the Genesis stories. And like the Genesis stories, which hold both the personal and transcendent, we find Jesus as both personal and transcendent. Jesus didn't storm onto the scene demanding that people perfect a law set in stone. He called people to follow him, he who embodied the law in flesh and bone. 
And similar to how the Genesis story speaks of a personal and cosmic liberation, so is the liberating life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I want us to take a minute and think about a moment or moments when something new was being born in you. Someone said something or you had an experience that opened you up to the thought, I knew it. There is so much more. Or God is even more expansive than I had thought or known. Now let's take a minute. I want you to think about a moment or moments when you realize, realize that your story is their story or our story. You read something, heard something, or saw something and it shifted your understanding of her or him or us. Now we're going to take a few minutes and reflect at the table of the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper. We reflect on love broken open and poured out for the healing and liberation of the world. For the healing and liberation of you and me. So as we come to the table, it's an opportunity for us to say thank you. I bless you, God. I'm grateful. Yes, I find myself in my story, in the story, in your story. And I bless you, God, for becoming like us, walking among us walking with us, holding us, leading us, guiding us, healing us, teaching us, loving us right where we are, but refusing to leave us there. 
And so Jesus, as you lived this life, gave your life and resurrected to new life so that we can all be put back together, that we would then walk out of here, break ourselves open, pour ourselves out so that others might taste and see, smell and understand, get a picture, a glimpse, an image, a taste, an aroma that God is good and there is more. So as we come to the table, you might hear something like this. Bread, it's a picture, it's an image for Jesus' life given that we would be put back together. This cup, it's a picture, it's an image of Jesus' blood poured out so that we can be knit back together, made whole, live whole, walk here, now, as it's done in heaven. 